spirituality and wealth. Are you keeping them separate? Join us on today's show as host Deborah Atian Wilson, known as the intuitive spiritual and wealth coach, kicks that old mindset to the curb. Many seem to think life needs to be spiritual or wealthy when you can actually be both. Listen to the only spiritual and wealthy show to help you create the life you want and the life that you deserve. Deborah's Spiritual and Wealthy Show is about thinking and feeling differently about prosperity and wealth and how they are one. By being more playful about the ideas of spirituality and wealth and not taking ourselves so seriously. The Spiritual and Wealthy Show will support you through Deborah Atian Wilson's raw, authentic, and tell-it-like-it-is trademark radio style. So on with today's show, here's Deborah. Hi, and welcome to my Spiritual Wealthy Peeps. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are in the world listening to our show today. I'm so honored and very privileged to be interviewing Maisha I, who um, has granted me her first interview on radio, which I didn't really know at the time that we ended up talking and connecting in together. And so I just want to say, first of all, I am so honored. And um, and it's interesting, a bit nervous, because after reading her book, I, I noticed my, my sweet little ego is trying to jump in. And, um, and what came up for me was, you know, how do I truly honor, you know, what has been written in this book, the, the honesty, the vulnerability, um, the transformation that is shown, the wisdom that's come through, just the honest rawness of this particular book called Journey to I, Defiant, Defamed, Disgraced, My Unexpected Path to Success by Maisha I. And, um, and so, you know, I just tuned in. I went in with what I normally do. And you know, all know me now as, as someone who I just highly recommend. You just can't get enough of going in. And, and there the answers are. And often the answer I get from the spiritual realm and being in the matrix of all this love that is, is be yourself. And for me, the reminder is, as I am myself, just speaking authentically and loving and being guided by what wants to emerge rather than what Deborah in the personality self wants to create, then I know all is well. So I'm very, very excited for that and just wanted to share a little a little vulnerability about me because I think that's where our power lies in just being truly honest and authentic. So without just yammering like I normally do in the beginning, um, there's so much I want to talk about with Maisha. And so um, we're going to jump right into that. Here's some paper somewhere. We're jumping. You can hear the noise there. <laughs> uh, we're jumping right into it. So let me tell you a little bit about Maisha I first. She is an insatiable student of dabbling. Her dabblings have ranged from rocket science, psychic phenomenon, the migration of geese, the sacredness of the birth process, the body-mind spirit connection, and just about everything else. Due to an undiagnosed ADHD, she has spent most of her life in experiential learning of life's lessons firsthand, which hasn't left her much time for sitting behind the desk of a classroom. Her hobbies are traveling, reading, meeting new people, and being pleasantly surprised. Emphasis on pleasant, she says. She has currently authored her biography entitled Journey to I, the inspiration for today's chat. She also enjoys dancing with her daughter in an East Indian dance troupe, making unique pieces of jewelry, 
being a mother and recently a first-time grandmother, assisting her husband in his shadow work practice and mentoring young people in the community. Her mission as an intergalactic ambassador to Earth is to consistently convey to Earthlings our similarities so that we can get on with the business of being our beautiful, enlightened selves. So without further ado, welcome, beautiful Maisha. Well, thank you, Atian. Thank you so much. Um, You're so welcome. I appreciate that uh, that grand introduction. Um, <laughs> uh, didn't know you want to give it all all away. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's so there, uh, there's so much here, and even just by that biography, as you well know, having lived your journey up until now. Your your book is is just wow. It is it's a surprise. It's it's shocking. It's exciting. It's amazing. It's painful. It's triumphant. It's I mean I can go on with adjectives. And what I want to say to you is what I promised um, that when I have someone on the air that I am guided and inspired to to have on, and after meeting you, um, I was like, oh yeah, I, you know I don't even know about your book. I'm like. I'm interviewing you. We're, if, you know, there's something about you that that I knew and was guided that I needed to have you on my show. And uh, what I promised was that I would read the whole book. And I, I'll have to take a snapshot because I have, uh, um, and you'll have to you'll have to appreciate this. Hopefully, um, okay. when I dog ear something on a book, it's because there's something meaningful for me. And that it's like it's if I could eat a book, I would right because then I could know it. <laughs> But that, but dog earing it and underlining and touching it and and really making it experiential for me is what really does it for you. So if you saw your book right now, <laughs> I have loved on this book like there's no tomorrow. Right. Because I kept yeah. going, ooh, there's a place we can talk. Ooh, no, there's a place. <laughs> like I mean, we're talking, you know, throughout the whole book, it is dog eared in places that I could have conversations with you that we could go off in adventures and really, really share a lot of wisdom and knowledge for people in, in so many directions. So I think that was part of my thing too. How, you know, where do we go? Where do we start? And uh, yeah, so, so it's going to be fun to see what we create. You know, I, I don't normally jot down every single detail um, of what we're going to talk about because I want to make it again, experiential that we're just hanging out. So I, and I know you knew that about me, so I appreciate you just being um, so open to that and, and hanging out. So my first question, because you have this cool thing in your bio of being an intergalactic ambassador. Now, I think I know what that means. So I think that's just a fun and playful way to start because I know we're going to go in some areas that, you know, people are going to go, wow, what? Um, and so I, I, I just think the journey all around is going to be fabulous. So what the heck to you, what does that mean to you, intergalactic ambassador? You know, it it totally means that I'm here for global. You know, I'm, I'm I'm past global, just the world. It's like universal. I have this universal connection to everything and every being, and so I don't see myself as like just an American. You know, I, I see myself as connected to everything, and my mission is to uplift in any way that I can. Is to how to how do we help navigate all this pain that we're in and all this um, uh, suffering that we have? How do we navigate through that? And that is my, my mission. And it looks like, you know, it, it, in looking at my journey, I had to go to the depths of hell, you know, yeah, to yeah. experience mm -hmm. yeah, all the negativity and as far away from 
feeling connected to anything as possible. I think I went there. I went there where I didn't feel connected to anything or anyone in order to remember my connection. And so when I, when I talk about intergalactic, I really feel, I mean, I look at the stars and I feel connected to that. And when you think of the stars and you think of the, the fact that we're one, we're in a galaxy that's in a universe that's a part of a multiverse, you know, it, it goes on and on. And I, I, there's a connection there on the microcosm just as on the macrocosm. So I you- feel that connection. Well said, and I can feel that. And as you'll see in some of the things I want to share, you know, I, I could, um, as a very connected person myself, I, you know, often I can, in just reading a passage, I can quickly go um, to somewhat, not all, because it's someone else's experience, but I can feel some of the emotions and I can feel some of the experiences as people have written or spoke or they're in my presence as a client. And that definitely happened for me in your book. And I I will definitely share that. And what I want to start with is the one thing that I actually, I thought I was going to highlight, you know, I thought I was going to start with the highlighter through the book. Lordy, the whole book's going to be highlighted. Where I left off after I highlighted this one thing that really stood out for me, and as a parent, um, uh, and as a woman, and as all sorts of things, this part struck me as as a way to start our conversation, and and I think we can even talk about the idea of you know the positive intention that parents have, that we have as parents and our parents did, you know, with where they came from, you know, with what they you know knew at the time. Your mother said to you. You were born with two strikes against you. You're black and you're female. And I have to tell you, I I wanted to cry when I read that. Um, and knowing that, you know, my own father had his own words for me that, you know, that became part of my story. My mother had her own words. And, you know, having processed on the other side of that, you know, I, I get their intention. But at the time, my question to you is what seeds were planted for you from your mother speaking these words that really rippled throughout much of you. Um, and again, this is not about blaming mom at all because we love her. No, right? no, I get that. No, I get that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, wondering, you know, from her experience, she obviously brought those words to you and she obviously had a positive intention. Um, but at that moment, I can imagine that didn't feel so positive to you. You know, I, I believe that, you know, at the moment it was about protection. It was Absolutely. about um, creating a, a space of protecting, and I and I get that. I really do understand that. Um, but as a young child, that just hit me to my core as to like, w- what can I do? I'm already like out of the game before I even start. Right. Um, so I, I was left with that, and left with just wondering what can I do to get out of the hole that was already created just by my birth. Right. You know, that's that's by my birthright. And what, what's really, though, interesting is that um, I, I just because that was one sentence. My, my mother said that to me and about um, 17 years ago when I was giving birth to my daughter, uh, I was having a complicated pregnancy. And the doctor said to me when we got out of the real serious part of it, she said, you know, you, you've got a really she's got a really good chance of surviving. And I asked her why. And she said, because she's black and she's female. Oh, my God. I want to cry. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought, because black females have the most, um, uh, the highest birth rate. 
And I just thought that was so, it just reversed everything, you know, just kind of countered <sighs> that piece. It just really took it to a whole nother level. And I had to sit with that and play with that and just understand, you know, about the things that we're taught and how we can reframe them, mm-hmm. reframe our life. We truly can change the past by reframing things. Uh, you know, I've been able to do that with much of what I've done. And in writing the book, my mother and I, we created another journey. Uh, this book really cleared up a lot of things and it gave me a lot more understanding of where she was coming from with her teachings. And we'll be back, see? <laughs> we'll be back. Deborah Atian Wilson returns with more of the Spiritual and Wealthy Show after this short break. Get ready for Smart Health with your host, Dr. Glenn Mia. Friday afternoons at 2 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Smart Health is a one-hour program dedicated to discussions, interviews, and news in the ever-changing world of medicine. Information leads to smart choices, and smart choices lead to a healthier lifestyle. That's the quote of host and broadcast journalist Dr. Glenn Mia, M.D. This magazine-style radio show is a fast-paced program bringing together medical experts, authors, and patients to examine what works and what doesn't in staying healthy. Dr. Glenn Mia is a board-certified physician in pediatrics and internal medicine. His philosophy to wellness starts with an investment. He says proper nutrition, rest, and exercise are the best personal investments to maintaining good health. So join us for Smart Health with Dr. Glenn Mia. Fridays at 2 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Do you want to get a contact high? Tune in for fun, inspiration, and motivation every Friday at noon Eastern Standard Time. Learn how to maximize your mojo and just say no to the status quo. Get inspired and motivated by a fun-loving coach who knows what it's like to get through this thing called life. With your High on Life coach, Audra Irwin, each Friday at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time and 12 noon Eastern, right here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to the Spiritual and Wealthy Show with Spiritual and Wealth Coach Deborah Atian Wilson. She enjoys kicking the old mindset to the curb that life needs to be spiritual or wealthy when you can actually have both. And so, with more of her raw, authentic, and talent like it is trademark radio style, here's your host, Deborah Atian Wilson. Okay, and we're back. You can see how graceful I am. <laughs> You know, that's the beautiful thing about the inner journey and spiritually just um, awaking up to who you really are. And I, I do believe we are all on our own spiritual journey and path. And the difference is, you know, are we aware of that? Are we aware of our, our potential in our human experience and our in our soul's experience? And so um, that's why we're here. We're talking to people like Maisha, who has been literally, and, and she's not kidding, on, you know, on a journey to hell and back for sure. And, um, and I 
think these stories really generate this possibility of of when we hear other people's journey, just knowing that if someone can do that, whatever their that is, that certainly that can give us inspiration to do something different in our life, to change our perspective, reframe as, as Maisha was talking about. So well said, well said. Oh my gosh, first quarter, delicious. So I, I'm reading the prologue, right? So I'm just, I mean, I am just dabbling into this book, right? In the beginning and I'm reading the prologue and I am literally saying, holy, you know what? Oh my gosh. So, you know, in my own inner journey, um, and, and knowing that one of my sensitivities is, is feeling, you know, feeling into the experience of someone else. And, and, and even when someone can articulate so I can feel something like, you know, uh, guilt or shame or something or remorse or whatever's coming up. So I'm reading this prologue and I experience the heat of, for me, one of the things that I could experience was shame of that time. My body filled with so much heat, right? And I could sense the knowing of what might this book hold, you know, and what might people judge. And and people did judge you. And, and there still could be people who are still, you know, judging you. But ultimately that, you know, I see the, the beauty of this is that your story, all the culmination of your stories up until now, and of course after, you know, have been this impetus. And I, I want to, you know, hear what you think about this, of this, you waking up to your own power, your purposes, your own divinity. Yes, I, I would... It, it's really interesting that you picked up on that shame. I mean, right out there, the, you know, the, first, the first piece, because that has been a piece that I've been dealing with for a long time. The shame yeah. of being involved in such a, a horrific crime um, right. was really, really um, pulled a toll on me. And I recently I was able to really start naming that. And I called it the hole, you know, mm-hmm. just this big hole that was in my world. And what I had been doing all this time has been trying to cover it up and plaster it up and, you know, put some paint over it so that nobody would see it. And I didn't see it. You know, it's let's let's just pretend like that landscape follows everything else. And I really had to look at that. I I finally turned around and looked at that and pulled the plaster down and just went, okay, there's a hole. There's a hole. There's a hole of shame right there. What am I going to do with that? You know, what am I going to do? Is that going to keep running me or am I going to look at that? And I decided to look at it and mm-hmm. then I began to play with it. I went, you know, maybe I'll put some jewels around it, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, maybe I'll put a plant in it. And what happened and I, is I, I started being able to give that whole of shame life. And so I've been talking about this whole process of having this whole mess and then going mm. to whole net, whole net. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. So, oh, it. It's been really interesting watching this healing. And, and it's amazing when you think that you've taken so many layers off and then there's still layers. There are oh, always yes. layers. There are <laughs> always layers. We're never done. No, no, it's so true. And you know, and there, there's beauty in that, right? Because often we can get caught up in this egoic trap that, you know, if I just do this, I'll be done, right? And if yes. I just do this, I'll reach yes. here. But yes. as we both know, the ever ongoing expansion and in eternity of our souls is that truthfully, we're never going to be done. Um, I'm going to read if it's okay with you, just the yes. first few lines in the prologue. And, yes. and knowing that this is not the beginning of, like, this is not the moment to hell, because you were already, you know, going down the rabbit hole, if you will. Those are my words, of course. But this is where I started to heat up. 
hurry, hurry up. You've got, you've got to go faster. I said, anxiously looking around, scared out of my wits. They're going to find us. It was already too late. I could hear the sirens. Tony finishes dragging and dumping the body and we start running. I know I'm running for my life. All of a sudden I'm alone in the woods running haphazardly, frantically trees, branches hitting and cutting my face, tearing at my clothes. I won't go on, but if that doesn't get you started to want to hear more about this woman and how she is, she is who she is today and where she's been, I'll tell you, I, I was just hot on fire. This isn't a story that's made up. This is your story, and it's your true story. Yeah. And, yeah. and it didn't start at that point with you and Tony. It started obviously much younger and in, in feeling alone and, and feeling already like there were these strikes against you. But there was a pivotal time in, in your life. And I'm wondering if, you know, you would just share what you're looking back and seeing as maybe a moment or a moment of moments that really, um, really impacted you. I would say one of the big moments were, was um, uh, sitting in jail. Uh, sitting in jail, uh, uh, had been arrested at this point for capital murder, facing that, and um, eight months pregnant. And I remember sitting on the edge of the bed, just reading that piece of paper saying, death by lethal injection. That was a pivotal point in that I had, I was facing, this is like everything that I had been running from or all the mess that I had been creating in my life had all of a sudden culminated in this huge hole, you know, this huge mess. And, you know, it was about what do I do at that point? You know, just what do I do at that point? And I opened up, I started opening up and um, a book fell in my hand called um, Pamahasa Yogananda, it was by, uh, it's called um, Autobiography of a Yogi. Mm -hmm. And it fell in my hand. It's by Pamahasa Yogananda. And um, it fell open to a page that talked about life after death. And so it really got me to thinking about, hey, this may never, this train, I may never get off this train if I don't make an effort to get off this train. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. So I really had to look at that and it, it got me to thinking about that I could whatever was going on right now in this on this side of the of the plane could be going on on the other side. There could still be pain on the other side if I didn't take care of this now. Mm. So it got me to really looking in in inward as to how I could um, what I needed to do. How could I learn to love myself? Right. With, with all of that, with all of that that had happened, how could I start loving myself? And that, that's, that's where that, I would say that's really where that started. It really started there. Mm, I love it. And before that, in that downward, you know, journey, in that, in that scene, that hole, because I think ultimately, no matter what the details of, of most of the planet's story is there's there has most likely been I'm going to generalize here if someone has not had this experience feel free to call we'll interview you too but most people I know most people I work with right you know everyone has had some sort of experience where they have not felt enough 
you know, that there has been something that, and, and often this starts from, from childhood, you know, where right. we're just, we, we have these stories, whether they're true or not, they're just, they're part of that fabric that begins that yeah. journey um, to discovering the I and who we are, of course. But along that way, wow, intensity. And one of your experiences was, if I'm remembering this correctly, um, with a preacher's son or yes. friend of something. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, right? And, and, and so I'm yes. wondering if you will speak about what happened and, and even knowing that you didn't know that at the time, because I think that would really benefit um, women and men who listen to, to this, to this show. And just what, what did that do for you to continue that downward spiral? One of the things that happened it, literally this at 40, I realized that at 13, I had been raped. I had not been able to formulate that at 13. And so it wasn't, um, I didn't understand that to be a rape. Mm. Uh, looking back on my life, I can see how that incident itself really projected a lot of um, grief. I just internalized so much self-resentment, hate, you know, just all of those feelings, abandonment, just all of those feelings just really like set hard. They kind of became set in stone inside me. And that was one of the most traumatic events, I believe, really that happened in my young life that really set me up for the rest of the traumatic events that happened later on. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, to culminate in um, in uh, cancer while I was in prison. Oh, yes. Oh, so, yes. I was looking at all of that. I mean, there's just so much <laughs> richness here, right? There's so much richness here. So, so here and, you know, gosh, this is going to go by so fast. This is like a lightning bolt of a radio interview. I got to tell you, we have like two minutes. So, um, so where I'd love to dive into for sure, um, because I, I think the details of all the story for sure. I mean, gosh, we, we would need hours for that. Cause this is, a, this is a nice, you know, thicker book for sure. And well worth the read. Um, and, and so I'm like, okay, where do we highlight here? And, and I think this idea of having this burden, right? And we've all had these, some sort of burden, again, different story, you know, but the same, uh, same thread running through where we have things that are weighing on us, right? We have things that are, and you've even said this, and I've heard people say this, things that are eating, like something's eating at me, right? Yes, so yes, when, when we yes. have these things that we want to speak the truth about, that we need to speak the truth about, but for whatever reason or can't or they're not speaking their truth in general and I was one of them I've, I've had cancer myself so I'm right there um, just yep. knowing that um, there's so much freedom that comes from speaking the truth and how our bodies do want to get our attention so when we come back from this break Maisha I definitely want to talk about your feelings of the uh, dis-ease that happens in the body and uh -huh. perhaps why you believe the cancer came and, and what it meant for you and how you correlate that to your story. So um, if that's okay, okay with you, and again, you know, you're, you know, if there's anything off limits, you know, we don't need to talk about it, but I, I know there's you to be off limits. Like, <laughs> I love it. And away <laughs> we go. So when we come back, we're going to be continuing with the story journey to I, Maisha I's beautiful and wonderful and amazing tale. Okay. 
Deborah Atian Wilson returns with more of the Spiritual and Wealthy Show after this short break. If you could live your life truly standing in a place of peace, joy, and abundance, wouldn't that make your heart soar? Now you can, with Lessons in Joyful Living, with your host, Kimberly Rinaldi, Mondays at noon central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Kimberly Rinaldi, having created a highly successful coaching practice, now teaches Lessons in Joyful Living. She believes in empowering others and that through it, you have the ability to break through any and all barriers, thus allowing you to reach your greatest potential and joyfully step into your life's purpose. What used to take weeks, months, or even years, she can now teach you in a matter of hours with her programs. For more on Kim and her show, go to her website, KimberlyRinaldi.com. That's R-I-N-A-L-D-I.com. Then join us for Lessons in Joyful Living with your host, Kimberly Rinaldi, Mondays at noon central here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Information about book publishing is power. The power to change your authoring life and the power to change the lives of your readers. So join us for Your Guide to Book Publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 Pacific on the Rockstar Radio Network. You'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now. As the book shepherd, Dr. Judith Bryles is in. And each week, she will include publishing professionals that will reveal tips and secrets to the author's journey. If there is a book in you, you want to listen, learn, and yes, call in with your questions each week. For more on Judith and what she can do for you, check out her website, thebookshepherd.com. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Thursday evenings at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to the Spiritual and Wealthy Show with Spiritual and Wealth Coach Deborah Atian Wilson. She enjoys kicking the old mindset to the curb that life needs to be spiritual or wealthy when you can actually have both. And so, with more of her raw, authentic, and talent like it is trademark radio style, here's your host, Deborah Atian Wilson. And we're back with beautiful Maisha I, her journey to I, beautiful book and story. And we were talking before the break in regard to this idea of cancer and um, uh, maybe the wake-up call or whatever that means for you. So just want to hear – oh, I'm getting a little yeah. feedback. Um, just want to hear um, from you. Okay, so where were you at what point in your life? I mean, we have – you know, you've been arrested. You know, there's there's – You've been in jail. You've been. Are you in prison now? Like, when do you understand that you now have cancer? What? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I was um, in prison still. In prison, um, I, I was 26 years old. Mm. Um, so what? What I discovered. It's been interesting in learning about cancer that it usually takes about 10 years before it shows up in the body. So mm. that puts it right at you know I was 17, about 17 when the murder happened. Mm-hmm. So it puts all that in perspective for me in, in a way. Um, I totally get that cancer is a something, a, a disease, a dis-ease, and it felt like something was eating away at me. Mm-hmm. I even said that. I have diary entries prior to that that said, I feel like something is eating at me. 
And I'm like, are you, you know, it was really interesting to see that, um, that I could intuitively knew something was going on. Sure. And, but the, the journey of cancer that was really interesting for me was that I thought that, um, having been given a diagnosis of cancer and I'd also been given 20% chance of surviving. It had, it had gone into my lymph nodes. And so I had, a had to go through chemo, um, while in prison, which was, um, very interesting, very interesting. And I even said in my book that I realized that by being in prison, I may have had better health care than I might've had, had I been out, mm-hmm. which, um, is a very interesting dichotomy that we have in our society. Um, mm-hmm. But I, one of the things that happened with the, the cancer is that um, it made me slow down, it literally, mm-hmm. physically, because, you know, I, my stomach is cut wide open and, you know, I've got staples in my stomach. So I had to move slower, which then made my mind start moving slower, mm-hmm. which was an incredible. So my last year in prison, the cancer was discovered in February of 1990. And I actually was released from prison in December of 1990. Mm-hmm. So that year was a year of openings on so many levels. And I believe the cancer actually helped to bring that forth. Um, there was a quietness that started happening in my mind behind having the cancer gone. But I remember when I first was diagnosed with the cancer and the doctor was standing over the bed looking at me, I had to really decide and debate if I wanted to use this as one of my exit points mm. and not do the chemo. Right. You know, here I am facing cancer and, you know, my family's not anywhere near me and I'm in prison and <laughs> that was a hard decision. But I, once I made my mind up that I was going to survive, I, I have times where I've forgotten that I had cancer. So mm. I remember going, going into a doctor's office one time and filling out some paperwork and the doctor was asking me questions and she said, have you had any major illnesses? And I go, this was about 10 years after the cancer. And I said, you know, I don't think so. I don't know. No. no. <laughs> and I said, oh, oh, does cancer count? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. And right. she said, yeah, it does. It really does. <laughs> oh my but gosh. I just remember, you know, that's how I put it. It was, it did its job, whatever I was supposed to, my journey with cancer. That was that moment. I don't have to continue having a journey with cancer. Right. Um, and it served its purpose. And I, I had moments of beautiful clarity in prison. I had moments of freedom that I have still yet to experience out in the free world. You know, mm. this is what we call it out sure. here. Yeah, I, I had moments of just talking to the wind and really feeling connected. And um, that was a time when my spirit guides would come to me and I'd actually see them and we'd have conversations. So it was a real incredible time having that slow down time that happened with the cancer. Now, before this, sorry to interrupt, before this, you know, this, I mean, it's so lovely to be getting onto the other side, but before this in your book, I mean, so much of your book is, is what we would call that more horrific side or, you know, from a, just a, a, a judging the negative aspects of it. Of course, now we see that it's, it can all be gift, right? Um, 
But, you know, we, you're, you were involved in, you know, there was drinking and there was lots of weed and there was rebellious teenageness and just, just what I see is almost like, it almost looks like you were, um, oh, they're showing me like a, a, the bob, a little floater on, on like the fishing line, you know, just like you're just kind of bobbing around, not really grounded in or anything like that. At that point, I'm just thinking about this now because you don't talk about it necessarily before. Do you remember hearing more of the, any of that inner voice that I shouldn't be here, I might need to leave? I mean, was there, was there a, a bigger, a, uh, not even a bigger awareness, was there an awareness that you might want to choose differently in some of the instances you were? Or did you just feel so out of control at that time in your life that you couldn't hear? You know, I overrode. I, you know, ah. I overrode the hearing, and then the hearing became very difficult to hear. You know, mm-hmm. um, but I remember certain incidences where I actually overrode it, and I pushed myself to go and do something that I know was very negative. Like, um, um, yeah, like there was some really, there were some things that I couldn't even put in the book. Okay. Okay. <laughs> There's some things that aren't in the book. So I guess I'm not as open as I thought. No, just kidding. No. Well, you know, um, I mean, you got to get a book out. And if you're like me, man, like it's like fixing your hair. You could, you know, you could play with it for forever and not ever yeah. publish it. At some point, you got to publish it, right? You know, so, exactly. you know, I, I but, um, exactly. no, One of you the know, things, running into what I call my Spengali, the, the gentle, the guy that was 10 years older than me, he was actually 11 years older than me. I was 16. He was 27. This is Tony. And, this is Tony. And mm-hmm. this is where everything just crescendoed. I mean, for six months, we were doing, you know, Bonnie and Clyde stuff. It was really some crazy, maddening stuff with running up on people with guns. And I just remember, you know, at this point, though, I had been separated inside myself so much. I had learned to compartmentalize myself so much that I became what he, what I thought he wanted me to be. And I just put to the side all this God knowledge, you know, all this knowledge of self. And it was like I chose to forget everything about being a universal being and everything else to have this experience of being totally disconnected. Sure. Sure. Holy cow. And at that time, were you around, were you 16 or 17 when you met Tony? I was 16 when I met Tony and 17 when the murder happened. So it was a six month, just a six month stint. I had just turned 17. And I have to say, as I'm reading this book, I'm thinking, okay, what the heck was I up to when I was um, that age? And, you know, I had my own shenanigans going on, I assure you. Um, And just then more so even like coming out of thinking about that, you know, I have a 16 year old right now in my beautiful home, the last of four. And I was just cracking up because defiant. Oh my Lord, have mercy. This is a girl who, you know, has her own soul experience. I think, Oh yeah. And, and not that I went anywhere, you know, just thinking what could happen, but just this idea that, you know, our souls are, you know, we're clear. We, we don't want anyone to restrict us. And at the same time, when we're not listening to ourselves, the, the ultimate to me, I feel like that's our ultimate ultimate betrayal is when we don't listen to that yes. inner voice or those guidance, you know, the guidance system, however that comes through for everyone. Um, mm-hmm. You know, whether you call that God, angel, spirit guides or yeah. whatever, you know, the ultimate betrayal is betrayal of self in my, in my words. And, and from that, it's usually when we get into these messes, big or small, yes. however we judge them. Right. Yes. 
I would say that I totally stopped listening. You know, I wouldn't listen to my mother. She said I was defiant from birth, you know, just defiant. And if you, you said go right, I went left. I have to go left. And I would explain to you why I was going left. That's just how I came out like that. So this defiant piece was innate in me. Sure. At the same time, though, I wasn't listening, as you say, to that inner voice. I remember, I remember at about seven or eight years old saying, I don't want to see anymore. Mm. I remember that. And I don't know what it is I didn't want to see. I, you know, I'm still processing through that piece. Um, but all of a sudden my eyes went bad. One year they're right. fine. The next year, you know, I'm legally blind. Right. And so I've been really under, you know, wanting to understand what is it that I didn't want to see and why is it that I didn't want to see? And maybe for some reason I needed to experience everything that I experienced. I, I still don't know exactly why because it's been some really hard times. Sure. At the same time, I know that based on how I feel now about who I am, and if I've gone through all of that, then I know that I offer a piece for someone else. I know I offer something for someone else about how you can move through your holes. You know, you can you can look at your holes and you can be okay with them, that you can live with them. Absolutely. And not only just live, right, but but excel and um and, yes. and live in yes. in just a higher vibration of yes. um of just laughter and joy and sharing and and I think it's really I think it's huge because I know personally just every cotton picking thing that I've ever gone through you know at the time you know if someone would have told me Deborah this is going to be fabulous because later on when you have this type of occupation you'll be able to sit next to someone and and know them and experience something they've experienced and and be able to show them that they can move past that you know I would have just probably said hooey with that and not cared and did something great <laughs> <laughs> right. But now, and I see this with you too, is the, the joy in that is to have such extremes in one's life and then to move through them and then over them in our continue, you know, unraveling of that um, and clean up our messes. Right. I mean, that's, that's just, just the epitome of just self-expression and love to the world. And that's what I hear that you're, you're giving here. So we're going to, yeah, it's so good. We're going to break and I'm just, oh my God, I'm telling you, it's flying. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I'll, I'll share with you, you know, talk about Defiant. My, my daughter came home, I think this was in the last year, and she said, you know what my favorite quote is? And I said, what? And she said, no. And I said, what do you mean? She said, no, by Rosa Parks. That's my favorite <laughs> quote. So if that gives you any clue about my girl. <laughs> and so when we come back, we'll, we'll talk about defiance and moving through to the other side and what you do now. Deborah Atian Wilson returns with more of the spiritual and wealthy show after this short break. Get ready to learn and play with Mrs. A, your host, Barbara Allison, Mondays at 11 a.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Did you know that kids are only 20% of the population, but they are 100% of the future? How are you preparing your child for that future? The years between the ages of 0 and 6 are crucial for learning and development. Barbara Allison is a teacher, parent, and author on supporting children's early learning. Learning starts even before a child is born, and parents are children's first teacher. 
Join Mrs. A for ideas, tips, and suggestions for fun learning and play activities as she helps you support your child. Starting early is starting smart. For more on Mrs. A, her books, the show, and her blog, check out her website, 123kindergarten.com. Then, come learn and play with Mrs. A with your host, Barbara Allison, Mondays at 11 a.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Are you happy with your life? Satisfied with the direction you're taking? More importantly, are you content with the results you're seeing? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Join host Brian K. Wright as he talks to experts in many areas relating to life success, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. For more on Brian and the show, check out his website, briankwright.com. Each week is a dose of inspiration. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. Success Profiles Radio is a show that will clearly demonstrate the principle, if I can do it, you can do it. So don't miss this opportunity to take control of your life and your results. Success Profiles Radio with Brian K. Wright, Mondays at 5 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to the Spiritual and Wealthy Show with spiritual and wealth coach Deborah Atien Wilson. She enjoys kicking the old mindset to the curb that life needs to be spiritual or wealthy when you can actually have both. And so with more of her raw, authentic, and talent-like-it-is trademark radio style, here's your host, Deborah Atien Wilson. And welcome back. We're talking to Maisha I of Journey to I, this beautiful woman who's had a history of being defiant, defamed, and disgraced. And that is not who she is. And I think that's where we can jump into. So, Maisha, um, you know, this this idea of identity came to me when we were going to break. And, you know, there's these words, these words we can apply to our lives, you know, this idea of <clears throat> what we would seem as negative words. You know, you've been arrested, you've been in jail, you've, you know, you've been raped, you've been imprisoned. There's some, uh, you know, a story around murder. And there's just so much intense stuff that we we would see in the paper, right? Stuff that's on the news. And yet that's not who you are. And I, I would love for you to speak as we are going into our next um, <clears throat> quarter, our last quarter actually, is is really sharing if you could, and I know you can, um, from a place of what we've done, right, is not who we are. You know, the, even what your mom said, you know, she, she said, you got two strikes against you, you know, you're black and you're female. Well, black is not who you are, in my opinion. Uh, you know, female is not who you are. You know, uh, these are these are something different than really who we are. And I just I want to see what you would love to share with our audience um, from that from that mindset. Well, you know, first of all, you know, I I, I get it that we're beings of light, having um, this journey, having this earthly journey. That's where I first off come from. Um, I truly sit in that place. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, a, a statement that has all, that stays with me deeply, and it is um, a statement by Seth, and it says, mm-hmm. "Never allow a theory to contradict your own experience." Mm-hmm. And that He's, has. Go ahead. No, I was going to say that's in your book. I read that. Yes. I'm telling you, I read your book, woman. <laughs> that's in your book. I know that. I remember seeing that. Right. Yes. 
So that that is really how I've lived my life. I you know exp- experiential learning you know is how I've lived my life, and you know I think we come here on this planet to experience as much as we can. And you said something earlier, and that that about being vulnerable, and that is like my my mantra because I really understand that being vulnerable is like our greatest asset in how we are able to connect with other human beings. It allows us to feel connected and to feel a part of this whole process of being human. And so I see all of us as these beings of light that may have darkness around them, but that's not who we are. We are these beings of light. It's like, it's like someone saying, you know, cause you're connected to, you're connected to the universe, whether you know it or not. Exactly. You know, you can't, you know, you can't take that away. There's nothing you can do about it. You can say there, there is no universal mind or whatever if you want to, but it doesn't change anything. It's like banishing your child. You're not my child anymore. That doesn't change anything. Right. You know, um, so I think we live our lives sometimes in that separateness, in that belief of separateness. And it doesn't have anything to do with the reality that we are all connected in everything that we do in our breath and just everything that we do as as we move through life. Mm-hmm. And we are affecting the whole in what we do for sure. Exactly. Um, the, the whole going to wholeness for sure. You know, I love that you brought up the vulnerability piece because um, that is one word that we had mentioned in our brief conversation of just even getting you, getting you on air. And I remember sitting with a client and often I get these little ditties, you know, from what I call the angelic realm, my peeps that are, you know, talking through me and sharing their wisdom and supporting my life and others, of course. And what I heard was the safest place for you to be is in your vulnerability. And I love that they give me this little Mm. ditty, right? So I can remember it, right? So the safest place for you, for us to be is in our vulnerability. And it was like, wow, because we're, we're so taught in general not to be honest with our feelings, to stop crying, to be quiet, to, you know, someone saying, well, that's not how you really feel or whatever it is. We begin to to unlearn this authenticity and then that journey back to to being authentic and and how powerful being vulnerable is really it really is so what a great reframe even for vulnerability as you're sharing too yes that's exactly how i feel and i really am playing with this this thing this whole mess to wholeness mm, i love it that that is really I am, I'm getting that. I'm getting that because we walk around feeling like we have holes in our body. You know, we really do. You know, um, we have heart pains. We have all these different things going on. And I know that when I was going through my cancer, I was just thinking about how I had a hole in my abdomen that went along with the hole in my heart, you know, and all these holes. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, I say that's a title for the next book for sure, because I even love, you know, the beautiful reframe that happened, you know, in what your mother said to you, love her, right? And then what this doctor said to you when your daughter was born. I mean, talk about the contrasting difference. And, And that's our whole experience here. It's all about the contrast, right? Like that idea and we hear it, but your, your story is such, such a great, um, Pivotal story in understanding, you know, how do we understand, I'm getting a little feedback, um, sorry about that, um, how, how do we know that there's light and that we're light without experiencing that shadowy, that darkness, you know, and I believe each soul wow. has its own 
own idea of what it needs and how deep it needs to go into its own darkness to discover the light. And I, I think a big piece here that I just want to say is, you know, it's so easy to judge from, from someone else's standpoint, but the truth is we just, we don't know, I believe, we don't know what that soul chose, what we as souls chose to come in with. Like you said, you know, you came in defiant, you know, I, I, my yeah. joke about my daughter is if she could have just yeah. nursed without me touching her, if she could have just like, you know, <laughs> floated there and not had me love on her just to get nourishment. Like that was her, right? You know, and that, that Rosa Parks thing, that's my favorite quote. No, I'm like, yeah, you know, amen. That has been your favorite quote. And I didn't know that you knew, you know, and so that, that's what she needed to come in with to support me, support other people. Right. And, and you came in with your own thing for sure. Before we go on and I, you know, we, we, oh my gosh, I want, I want more hours with you. Um, so good. Um, will you please share with people, because I know I'll get to the end and be trying to just jump it all up in in the ending here um will you share with people how they can get your book journey to i defiant defamed disgraced my unexpected path to success yes there are a number of ways that um people can access my book and one of them is going to my website um myisha www.myisha.me um, is my website um uh there's also amazon you can look me up on amazon and 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 uh find me there those are the best ways to, to get my book, and I will, you know, get it out to you as soon as possible. I love there it. are other things coming up too. Um, yes, that are sure. You're reading I, my mind. <laughs> yeah, what are you doing now? Um, one of the things that I'm doing is a coaching program, and people can access me through my website with that, and just email me if you're interested in having one-on-one -on -one coaching. Great, I love it. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yep, that, that's. And um, a teen process, a teen program is on. It's going to be rolled out here real shortly, also. Oh, I think that's going to be. I know. Let me let me be corrected by spirit. I know that's going to be amazing. <laughs> so congratulations on that for sure. <laughs> let me be yeah. corrected. That's the beauty. You have an ongoing conversation, right? Spirit just coming yeah. in and going. You know, you could say that differently, Deborah. Let's let's clean that. Well, congratulations on that because truly, I I I have yet to to meet very many people who have had such an amazing journey, an amazing story that can really stand there and speak to teens in, in, from a place of really going to, to the abyss and then back. So I just, I think that's extraordinary. Again, just in case it cut out earlier and people didn't hear it, could you, um, I know you can find the book on Amazon. Will you give your website one more time? Yes, the website is www.com. Maisha I dot me. That was three W three W's, y'all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and what I will say is uh, if you want to read a book that, that really is extraordinary, what happens to a young girl when she's raped for the first time at tender age of thirteen? What happens to a vulnerable young girl when she is seduced by an older man and become his puppet? What happens to a bright girl when she makes multiple serious and stupid choices and ultimately faces death by lethal lethal injection? And what I will say and is now standing in a place of light and what I would call a transformational healer. This is the book. I, I don't think you'll be able to put it down because you're going to want to know what happens and how she gets to the other side. So I will say to you, Maisha, thank you so much for the honor and the pleasure of allowing me to have the first um, radio interview for, with you for your book. Really appreciate oh, Thank you, Atian. This has been amazing. I really appreciate it. Also, thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. And you and I will be in touch. I'm, I yes, love you. And 
Blessings to everyone on your spiritual and wealthy journey. We'll see you next week. Thanks again, Maisha. Oh, yes. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today on The Spiritual and Wealthy Show. For more information, you can reach Deborah on angelsandprosperity.com. This and other programs in the series can be downloaded free of charge from iTunes. The Spiritual and Wealthy Show returns next Wednesday at 11 a.m.